When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blue moon. You saw me standing alone. Welcome to the Mount City Show. It's Nigel Rothman back in the chair. And leaving the Leipzig Late Show to one side for the moment, Manchester City's last three domestic matches have all ended in defeat. We're going to discuss that and much more with my three guests. Welcome to Rob Barron, CTID. Hi, Rob. Hi, Nigel. Good to see you. Welcome to Sarah Messenger. Hi, Sarah. Hello, Nigel. And welcome, finally, least least to Nick Goldstone. Hi, Nick. Hi, Nigel. Uh, listen, before we get into any specific games, what's your... Rob, let's start with you. What's your assessment of this almost unprecedented run of results under Pep Guardiola? I think it shows what a brilliant regime we have all experienced. And it is absolutely nothing to worry about. Uh, the standards have been so high that when it comes to two league defeats and one cup defeat, uh, some of the faint-hearted worry. I'm not worried in the slightest. It was not good uh, uh, at the weekend, but there's nothing fundamentally wrong. And uh, I have no problems uh, with being two points behind at this stage of the season. Nothing fundamentally, good if I could say it, uh, Sarah, nothing fundamentally wrong, says Barons. Well, not for the first time. Would you agree not, with not that? Not for the first time. I am going to agree with um, Rob. I mean, I think clearly the the three games were the three games that Rob missed. We know how important he is to the way we play. And so there's a slight element of concern that we couldn't get a win in any of those three games. And, and I guess added to that is, a, a, you know, a frustration. We don't quite seem to have nailed down who plays that role if Rodri isn't in the team through injury. Or I guess by now we'd hoped it would be Phillips, but for whatever reasons that isn't working out in the way we might have all hoped. 
But I also, in terms of what Rob said, you can't take De Bruyne and Rodri out of any team and expect it to not have some kind of impact. I mean, in my view, they are our two most important players. Um, others may take a different view, but in terms of impact on the team, I think they're the most important. And, um, uh, you know, I think to be sitting where we are, I think if the defeats have been separated, if we lost the second game of the season and the sixth game of the season, we'd be a bit frustrated, but we'd all be sitting here tonight discussing another win because that would have been the eighth game of the season. So I, I, I'm not unduly worried. Let's, as ever... We'll see where we are in um, in April and May. Just one final quick point. I remember doing this podcast in January and we all thought that we were getting nothing this season and Arsenal were winning the league. We wouldn't win the Champions League and we'd probably lose the FA Cup at whatever stage we were at then. And we all know how last season turned out. So I think Rob's right to be optimistic. Uh, we've got two optimistic people then, Nick. Thank goodness you're on the show. You can give us some a, a, a realistic, honest view now of what's going on here. We've lost three on the trot. Never happens under Pep. What's going on? I think the realistic and honest view is that um, we've been short of several really key players um, and players that are quite similar in their ability to hold hold the ball, play the ball, Um Bernardo's just come back. John Stones has been out. I thought he was absolutely sensational when he came back yesterday. I thought he actually thought he almost changed the game, but he looked like he looked like a Rolls Royce. Um, and KDB we're also, you know, missing a little bit of a couple of the players that we've we've lost since last year. Um, we had a good run at the start of the season and everything seemed to be purring along really, really nicely. But um, we just hit a little bit of a, a little bit of a bump. But um, I'm not remotely downcast. Um, you know, if you're going to lose, we do lose occasionally. We lose to the top teams and to the bottom teams occasionally. And you know, if you're going to lose to one of the top teams, then, you know, you may as well do it to a, a, a lucky deflection in a very tight game. I mean, I thought we were, you know, we were a bit under strength yesterday, but it was a very, very cagey and tactical game. I was, I don't go to many away games these days, but I was there yesterday. And I think, was I watching it on the TV at home, on the sofa, I'd have probably been a bit more frustrated um, with the performance, but actually the atmosphere in the ground, you know, it was really cagey. Um, and I thought it was just a, a very tight game. We played very narrow. We didn't really play with with wingers for virtually the whole game. Uh, and, you know, we were just a bit unlucky. So um, yesterday is it, neither here nor there. Uh, I, I think we have hit a bit of a bad patch, but, you know, we've all been around for much, much too long now to not understand that the odd little bad patch really isn't worth being too concerned about. And as uh, Sarah said, you know, January last year, we really did hit a bit of a bad patch and it all turned around quite remarkably. So we're not going to get worried. Uh, we're just going to go along with the ride. 
Can, can I come back to you, Sarah, and just talk about these kind of missing these players? Because it's not a very city thing to do, is it, Risa? We've, we've got good players. I've got some injuries and, it, and we're struggling. And you could argue that Arsenal didn't have Partey or Saka in their starting lineup. Arguably, they're sort of two strongest players as well. So I, I struggle a bit and, and I don't like to use kind of injuries as, a, as an excuse, if you like. How would you respond to that? I don't think I meant it as an excuse. I think if we just look at how City play, Rodri and De Bruyne are integral to City playing their best football. So it's not that it's not an excuse for not winning the game today. It's an explanation as to why City weren't particularly great yesterday. They were. I mean, look, the bottom line is it should have been a nil-nil goal. We lost to a deflected shot with a couple of minutes to go. Arsenal weren't great either. They were better in the second half, but they weren't—they certainly weren't causing me to lose any sleep last night in terms of their potential. Um, but you know, we didn't—we didn't. They got the rub of the green. They got the lucky goal. We can't moan about it because we weren't exactly potent up front. I mean, I mean, to be frank, Harland could have gone and done a bit of early Christmas shopping. Um, and that's not a dig at him because we all know how fantastic he is. But he's—he's. He's, He's going missing a bit more than I would like at the moment in games, but there may well be an explanation for that. KB comes to mind. Um, so, I, I, I like I said, I don't think it's an excuse or a, um, a kind of let's play the pity card. It's more, I think, an explanation as to why we're not playing as well as we know we're capable of. Let's focus rather than the ones who weren't on the pitch then, Rob. Uh, let, let's just leave... Um... KDB and Rodri to one side for a moment and focus on those. Sarah's mentioned Haaland. Um, yeah. Again, I think if he didn't score in a 20-minute period of the second half last season, there was headline news that he hadn't scored for a while. Uh, the, the games are stacking up now. Um, You've you got a view on him and, and his performance and, and maybe what's lacking for him. Is it is it about KDB and the lack of creative creativity and us maybe not in that final third being as potent as we've been? Or is there something else have you seen in his performance? Well, he's still the leading goal scorer in the Premier League. Let us not forget that. Uh, like everyone else who's human, he's entitled to a few off games. Um, of course, it it doesn't help him if uh, De Bruyne's not there. I think uh, he links up beautifully with Foden. That didn't particularly work at the weekend. Uh, but when you also don't have uh, Bernardo playing, then he's likely to be starved of opportunities to score. So I don't think there's anything in that at all. Uh, I, I, I think two things. First of all, we could and should have won a game in the first 20 minutes when their goalkeeper was all over the place, when we had two or three chances to score and didn't score. And really, in that situation, you, you have to uh, strike while, while you're on top. So, uh, yes, it could be in a draw, but we, we could have won just as much as they could have won. Uh, I was impressed again with Lewis yesterday. I thought Guardiola is a, a, a really good player in the making. Uh, even when they're, I mean, to me, the disappointing thing only was uh, the first tackles we tended not to win against Arsenal, when usually we're terrier-like in those tackles. So there was an element of of caution uh, about our play. But, but uh, no, I mean, you, you, you can't complain. Um, 
uh, losing that game um, because we could have won it just as easily. Nick, your thoughts on Haaland before we come back to uh, uh, Rob's talked about some tackling. There was a bit of tackling that got a few headlines, so we may, we're probably going to have to talk about a couple of tackles before we move on. But your your thoughts on Haaland before we do that? Yeah, well, well look, I mean, he had one or two, maybe just one relatively poor patch last year. Um, I was less concerned in the last two, three weeks when he was missing chances because that just happens and that will change um, pretty quickly. When he just barely gets in game, it's a little bit more concerning. And, and I do think for all of his attributes, um, his close control and his first touch, you know, is, 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 is not the best. It's not the fundamental and most important part of his game, arguably, but it's just that, but I just think that's, that, that is what it is. Um, and um, so he looked a bit, he did look a bit sort of cumbersome at, at, at times yesterday, I thought. Uh, and I'm not sure he's, I'm not sure he knows how to get into a game that he's not in. Um, and maybe, you know, that's not just about him, it's about the rest of the team. But mm. it, 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 it's within the next two, three weeks, if it doesn't start turning around for him, and, you know, we've, we've got the derby on the horizon now, um, a little bit more pressure is going to be put on him from the media, at least. Um but I don't think that's likely. I I I I expect, and obviously we all expect that it'll be relatively to the short term, and everything will start to change. Um, but clearly, he's you know he's pretty heavily reliant on the team that are behind him to find ways to get him into the game. And perhaps you know we were playing a pretty decent Arsenal team yesterday. Um, got a lot of respect for their their team, their manager, their um, the fan base is a bit embarrassing, but the, but uh, they they have got a good team um, and um, they handled him well yesterday. Can I talk? Um, can you kick us off, Nick, on on the Kovacic there? Because obviously, it did get a lot of. I mean, you were there in the ground. I guess I'm sure you've seen it uh, replayed since. But but your thought. Uh, of that first challenge, I suppose, first of all, many people say it should have been a straight red, certainly it was a, a, a yellow. And then, of course, then there was the second challenge quite soon afterwards where other people said that should have been a yellow as well. Just your thoughts on, on, on that for us. Yeah, I mean, I, it was difficult to see from where I was in the ground. I did see the replays. I, I, I thought the first one was, you know, a perfectly acceptable yellow card. I don't think there was anything grossly read about it. And maybe it was a little bit borderline, but um, I don't think other than, you know, for the hyper goal of it, I don't think too many people really thought it was a horrendous tackle that, that deserved a red. Um, arguably, he could have got a, a second yellow um, and people will moan about that. But um, I think um, Oliver, the ref, is more inclined to try and keep players on the pitch, whether or not you agree with that or not, you know, it, it, it is up to the individual. But um, so I think he was a little bit lucky. Okay. Little bit lucky. And, I, and I certainly, you know, I saw a lot of comments from City fans on Twitter during the game saying, what is he doing? He must be crazy. He's going to get a red, et cetera, et cetera. So 
you know, there was obviously a lot in in that. Uh, Rob, I, I'm always uh, uh, interested to hear your views on referees. You often have a view on on referee performances, yeah. and you must have a view on this one, I'm sure. Always. Well, I I did see some things that haven't been much commented on. One was Odegaard manhandling Guardiola in the penalty area, which by any stretch of any imagination, and you tell me if the rules say so, where you grapple somebody to the ground, that's a penalty. Why wasn't that given? Why wasn't Foden uh, recognised when he was brought down after a, a skillful set of uh, uh, work in in the second half? Uh, I, you know, I I don't think um, uh, City were lucky. I think they were in some sense unlucky uh, not to get the penalty, not to get the Lewis goal, where if the referee had gone on a bit longer would have been recognised to still to still be in play. So uh, for me, uh, there were two uh, incidents which were properly uh, addressed and I don't think he deserves sending off. So are you, does a full house in here that there's uh, probably two yellows right or, or do you have a slightly different view when you've seen it sort of slowed down and replayed? I think the thing that's lucky is that Michael Oliver was the referee because I, I think he made the right decision um, let's be frank, if that had been an Arsenal tackle on a City player, we'd have been praying and hoping that the Arsenal player would have been sent off. The first one was definitely borderline, but I'm glad the referee used his discretion to put it on the yellow side of the border rather than the red side of the border. Um, and I'm sure that was partly because too many games, particularly high-level games, do get spoiled by sendings off, unless it's so blatant that the referee has no choice. The second one, yes, he could have booked him, but I think he very quickly decided it wasn't serious enough a tackle to warrant the, the second yellow and therefore the sending off that he'd, he'd avoided in the first with the first tackle. Um, just as a quick aside, but relevant, I think, City women got a really good battling point against Chelsea uh, yesterday, should and probably and could have had three, were it not for the fact that Alex Greenwood was sent off in the 37th minute for two ridiculous yellow, or certainly one ridiculous yellow card. Um, and that That's will have the game. Yes, and, and, you know, let's not get into the detail of it now, but to, to come out with a point when you've played a, 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 a more than a half with one less player against the currently the best team in women's football in England um, is commendable. But uh, it's a shame that that game didn't end up being an 11 against 11. So my instinct is I always want 11 against 11, unless a tackle is so horrendous or the behaviour is so horrendous that it warrants the player being asked to leave the pitch. Um, but I think if we'd had an inexperienced or a less confident referee than Oliver, that's exactly what would have happened yesterday. Final quick point, whatever the rights and wrongs have been, Kovacic was stupid to make that, that second tackle. The one thing you don't do is, is give the referee decisions to make, and that's exactly what he did do. Rob, can I, Nigel, Nigel, can I just Please, yeah. add two very quick points? The first Please. is, I'm fed up with Arteta jumping up and down, trying to get uh, players sent off from the touchline, using two fingers to suggest they should be carded. That needs to stop. Secondly, the Lawrence Olivier Award for bad acting goes to Gabriel Jesus for his behaviour in, in, in the second half. And he, uh, you know... That is totally outside the spirit of the game, uh, and uh, he he should know better. 
I, I, to be fair, it's the one aspect of his play I didn't like when he played for City as well, because they have tendencies to do that. He is, a, he is South American, I suppose, and uh, I'm allowed to say that. Maybe I'm not, but I apologise to uh, the three South Americans who might be listening to this show, but there we go. Rob, I want, I want to stick some positives with you if I can. Yeah. Uh, and it was a great defensive performance. I think Nick sort of sort of made reference to that. And and Guardiol for me was was man of the match. I thought he had an excellent game. Do you see it that way? Yes, I. I mean, I don't know about man of the match, uh, but but he he he's very encouraging. Uh, I I was a little disappointed in in Diaz yesterday. I thought he was a a, a bit off form. But as I said. Um, uh, Walker is playing very well. Uh, Lewis is just a revelation. I mean, he wasn't brilliant yesterday, although he was brilliant against uh, in, in the Champions League. And yes, uh, it is very encouraging. The new and the untested who are coming through uh, and playing with their 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 older players in in, in the team. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, Sarah, um, your, your thoughts on that defensive performance? I mean, Diaz had a here's me saying great defensive performance, and Diaz had a had a stinker. You could argue, of course, as well at the same time. He did. There was one lovely leg swing wasn't there, that almost resulted in a clear cut chance for. Also, is it, I mean, look, as Rob said, any player can have a game that's not to their usual high standards. Diaz has been amazing for us. He's a great defender. He he just wasn't his usual authoritative self yesterday. And he did make a couple of mistakes. And he also gave the ball away two or three times, which, again, doesn't help in such a tight game. Um, but actually, we did. We looked really solid at the back, generally. And, and that's why it's frustrating to have got to the whatever it was, the 88th, 89th minute, and and to let a go, you know, a goal to go in through a very lucky deflection. But defensively, Again. I don't think we've got any... We haven't got many problems defensively. The issue is this the, the link between midfield and attack at the moment. But And just picking up on that, Sarah, Nick, I don't know if you want to give us a view. Obviously, we keep saying you're in the ground and you had a, a view of it sort of firsthand. This... Uh, Pep never ceases to surprise us, and, and Bernardo, seeing Bernardo in that role, who would have thought with the the squad we have, with the team suddenly, you know, Bernardo's there in this defensive midfield role. That again, not none of us second guess that. Um, his performance um, before you do that, I suppose the one thing that was missing, of course, was it meant that he then couldn't create the chances a bit further up the field for for the uh, for Haaland and and so on. So uh, that was the downside to it. But, but the upside, I think, is. What a versatile player. What, what a man to have in your squad to be able to sort of play a role like that and just as if he's been doing it all his whole career. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's not, it's not a 
it's not a role he's not played several times before. I wasn't entirely surprised. Um, and he does give you just that. I mean, it's just the composure and the way that he finds time and space in that pocket. Um, but yeah, quite deep. I mean, you know, we had good spells of possession, but really couldn't find very much attacking space at all. Um, but it was the same for Arsenal. I mean, I, 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 I did just want to pick up again just a little bit on, on Rico Lewis because I do think, you know, he's a great prospect, but he's a great prospect and he's only 18 and I don't think he's got the composure or the physicality to really work in, I mean, games like that. I thought he did look a bit out of his depth, to be honest. Um, and I thought that John Stones, when he came on, really showed how that role can be played from someone with, you know, vastly more experience um, and someone who's just grown into that uh, sort of midfield linking role um, from God knows where in the last 18 months. But we have missed him. And I'm, I, 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 you know, it was almost I didn't care that that we lost yesterday because seeing him back on the pitch and playing, playing like that made a world of difference to me. I actually thought, you know... I, I I thought for you know it's not it's not that often that we make that that Pep makes that number of of, of substitutions. I say fairly early, you know, it wasn't that early in the game, but it was quite early for him. But I thought he you know he changed the game with the substitutions. I thought Arteta waited to see what he was going to do before he made his changes. Um, but I thought we did look much better and more composed after the changes and, you know, we were just unlucky in the end. I might give Rob the opportunity to come back on, on Rico Lewis. So, I mean, I suppose it might be a little bit unfair to compare a young 18-year-old with the yeah. uh, the veteran that's John Stones, of course. But you you got an opportunity to come back to Nick and just maybe give the argument for Rico Lewis and what well, you've he, seen in him. You know, he, you know, Stones is peerless. We know that. And so uh, it's unfair to compare Rico Lewis to him. Uh well, I wasn't I, comparing them. Well, you were actually. Well, you, you and, were saying only in the sense that they were they were both on the pitch one after the other. So, look, uh, let, let's agree that Lewis was brilliant in the Champions League, and uh, that he absolutely deserved to play against Arsenal. And I think he's a, a wonderful talent and a, a, a very great prospect. I'll, I'll agree with you on that. Rob, just on that, then let, let's 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 leave the Arsenal fixture just to one side for a moment, if we can. Let, let's let's briefly just sort of reflect on the late late show in, in Leipzig, as I described it. Um, three points, of course, that's what was important. Uh, Rico Lewis obviously stood out for you as well, but that's a that's the job done, isn't it? Because that wouldn't be an easy fixture going away there, is it? No, no, no fixture's easy, is it? Really, in the Champions League, anyway, of course. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not, but it is very encouraging. And also, we tend to criticise Pep for not making substitutions or not making them early enough. And uh, what he did uh, against Leipzig was he completely changed the game with uh, the two players that he brought on. And that was wonderful to see. So um, all credit to him on that. And, uh, you know, the the frustrating thing was to go ahead, but then to give away a soft goal 
in the way that they did, which they tend to do quite a lot. Um, uh, but no complaints. And, um, you know, one more win means qualification. Sarah, what stood out for you with the uh, Leipzig win away in midweek? I think, I mean, I, I, I agree with what Rob said about the performance. I think the main thing for me, actually, is that's the hardest game in the group. Um, it's one. We've got two games against young boys now. That I'm not for a minute suggesting we should be complacent and think that they're straightforward. But when both of those, bearing in mind the usual congestion running up to Christmas, plus the World Club um, trophy in December, yeah. the, the more we can qualify with four games played as opposed to having to worry about games five and six, the better. Um, so... And that's why, you know, it's all very amusing, all this like, people getting giddy about winning the league in October. You know, Arsenal lost one of their, their away game. It, 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 they may not be bothered about it now, but they will be bothered when they've got to put a full-strength side out in game six in order to be sure of either topping the group or getting through in the group, depending on how results go. So for me, that was actually the most important thing. It's just moves us closer to not having to worry about certainly game six and hopefully game five as well. Any lessons for you from Leipzig, uh, Nick, that stood out? Not really. Uh, I mean, you know, it's there aren't any easy games, but it was a fairly straightforward uh, group game in the Champions League. I mean, we've, we've actually both, we, we've now levelled on 16 with the longest unbeaten run of any English team in Europe with with one or two other teams. Um, and, you know, frankly, those games are meat and drink for us now. It is important that we win them for exactly the reason that, you know, it takes the pressure off the later games. Um, we did enough and that was pretty much it. Oh, right. You know so, who is wonderful, and that is Alvarez. I'm sorry, but he didn't play particularly well at the weekend, but he did play brilliantly when he came on as a substitute and scored a wonderful goal, as he keeps doing, and that's very yeah. encouraging. Yeah, agreed. Listen, agreed. we're going to go into an international break, and, and we come back and we've got three interesting fixtures, of course. We've got Brighton, uh, and then Young Boys, we discussed, and, and then, of course, the, the game against Stretford as well. So they're kind of our next three games after the international break. Before we talk about those briefly, just my, my thoughts are around with players coming back, which, of course, we've talked about who's been missing. So these players are going to come back. Do you think, Sarah, do you think Pep knows his best team yet? Because we've got these, you know, we've got obviously Grealish and Doku. We've got Nunes now as well. Um think he knows his best team do you know do you think you know what his best team is well I think I think the thing that makes Pep stand out from almost every other manager is that he doesn't have a best team he has the most appropriate team for the opposition and the circumstances in which we're playing so um yeah. I don't I, I mean look he has he has a core of players that he trusts with his life you can put Bernardo on that list you can put KDB clearly Rodri Edison in goal probably Diaz at the back you know so there's four or five that would almost inevitably be picked in any team for any game but I think beyond that the other six positions he will absolutely make decisions based on what he thinks is right for that particular day and it's not that I prefer Grealish over Doku or I prefer 
Foden over um uh, who, who might he prefer Foden over? So so for for those reasons, I just think we could sit here and say what his best team is. But there'll be some games where Doku and the way he attacks the wing will be a much better option than the way Grealish tends to play, which is good at retaining the ball, but turning back far more than we would expect Doku to. I, I think it's horses for courses. That sounds about right, doesn't it, Rob? Would that be that, a fair that, assessment, would you say? Horses for courses was Matt Busby's uh, favourite expression. The thing that really uh, puzzles me is that Grealish um, is in and out of form. Um, you know, it's not... You can't rely on him to have a good game. He 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 against Wolves, I think he gave he he gave the ball away at the critical time. Um Nunes is wonderful, but not yet fully established as a city player. And Doku is thrilling, but he also gives the ball away. So uh th- those players have months now to become accustomed to playing in this big team. And I think uh, Sarah's right. We have lots of choices, lots of very good players, including Phillips. Uh, and let's let's bring it on. Nick uh, Phillips has been mentioned again. I try I try try not to mention him every week because I just don't think he's forms part of Pep's plans. I think that's that's obvious. So let, let's I think leave that there unless you've got a different view, which I don't think you have. Um, j- just sticking to the question in hand, which is kind of this best team question. Um, as Sarah rightly says, that there is such a thing under Pep. But 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 Rob's mentioned a number of these new players who've come in. Where where do you see them fitting in? Do you think they're still the fringe players for now and just be used in the odd game, or do you see it differently? No, I mean, I think um, Kovacic for certain is clearly uh, someone that Pep's relying on, I, I, I think, to, to play an awful lot of games um, this season. Um, but it, 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 you know, it's hard when, you, when, when, you, when you're just joining a club, probably harder um, at City than, under, than at any other club. Uh, um, in some ways, and we always now expect players to take a year, eighteen months to really bed in. Um, this season, we're kind of more reliant on one or two of those new players, and we need them to work a bit more quickly than that. Um, mm-hmm. In the first weeks of the season, they did. Um, you know, we seemed to click fantastically well for. Uh, uh, for five or six games, um, but then just lost our our way a bit. But um, Doku is is obviously a very exciting player, but he's not somebody that we necessarily need to be. You know, he's not he's not going to figure week in week out. Um, Kovacic will play a bit more. Nunes is obviously a, at the moment is. Uh, um, uh, I mean, someone who's going to <clears throat> to rotate in and out until uh, until he really starts to establish himself, which may take some time. So, you know, things are not going to necessarily be easy for us over the next two, three, four months. Um, I think we will have more poor patches along the way. Um, but as long as we're still in touch come the other side of the new year, you know, we know we're going to be in with a big shout. 
Okay, let's uh, let's sort of group these next three games. Obviously, after the international break, we obviously hope all the city players come back refreshed. No injuries, of course, that goes without saying. But with that in mind, Sarah, three games in eight days. I've mentioned them already: Brighton, Young Boys, and Stratford. How do you see that sort of what's important during that kind of uh, eight days? It's amazing, isn't it? How when when if, if City had won the three domestic games that we've just lost, we'd all be sitting here feeling very confident about all three games. Um, the moment you have a little run like we've just had, it, it sows the seeds of doubt, doesn't it? Um, I, I, I think I think Brighton at home, we, we, we're very strong at home. Um, Brighton are a really good team, but actually the way they play, I think, will suit us. At least we won't be facing a brick wall for ninety minutes, or we assume not. Um, as I've said, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm working confidently on the assumption that we will beat young boys. And then we've got that lot from down the road. Um, the way they're playing, especially at Old Trafford at the moment, you'd expect a 6-0 win. But, um, you know, we also all know what happened last year in terms of uh, strange offside decisions. So, um, I'd like to think that we, well, I mean, look, we can win all three. There's none of them that particularly alarm me but um i think certainly in terms of what's happened in the league for the last two games you'd be looking for six points from those two and a win against young boys uh, we need to win against brighton don't we rob we don't want to go four domestic games losing do we surely we certainly don't and uh brighton with their new center forward uh are a very exciting team they've also got an old center forward who used to play for United, but I mean they're they're a good team, but we're a better team, and we should win that. Um, the the conundrum is against uh, United because individually United have some wonderful players, but they're not a team yet, and they do concede goals, and they they're not very good under pressure. Uh, so that's going to be a really big game, and I hope that we're up for it. Uh, to try and win it, as I think we can. Uh, Nick, those three games, give us a few of those three games then in, in eight days, or your reflections. I think it's very simple, because it's always the same for City. If we play anywhere, well, close to the best of our ability, uh, then we should beat all of those teams. Um, it, will be ni- it will be nice to have a home game, um, which we've not had too many of for a while, for some reason or other. Um, and uh, I think it's not the end of the world that we've got uh, the break now because it will be good to come back in a couple of weeks' time after a bit of a a bit of a poor run. Um, but, yeah, we, we should, we've got enough to beat all of those teams um, if we're on song. Uh, but we will need to find a way to just improve a little bit in terms of uh, what how we've been playing for the past two, three weeks, I think. And, and with this poor run, as Nick calls it, Rob, sort of final question for all three of you before before we go. Um, what would you say are Pep's priorities now then in terms of sort of t- recognising out the Carabao Cup on a bit of a losing run? Rodri's presumably going to come back and go straight back into the side. But what do you reckon Pep's priorities are now over the next few days? Well, I I don't know what his priorities are because he's a strange man and he's very difficult to guess. But I don't think he's given up the possibility of winning uh, the 
Premier League for the fourth successive year. He's got an eye to history. And I think he wants, like we all want, to progress very far in the Champions League. So I don't see any relenting in terms of giving priority to either the Champions League or, or, or the Premier League. They're both equally important. And Sarah's point about making sure that we're in a good state when this uh, World Cup business comes along is absolutely right. So it's getting players fit uh, and and uh, being able to select from a, a full squad again. And it, the, the, the noises about De Bruyne are good. You know, it looks as though he's going to come back much sooner than Christmas. And I hope it's not too soon. Um, I was sitting next to someone at a meeting today uh, who said that De Bruyne was the greatest player since Dennis Bergkamp and what a thrill it was to watch him. And, you know, I just can't wait for him to be back. Uh, Nick, Pep's priorities. Well, hopefully he's um, in a bar in... Barcelona at the moment. Um, I guess he will. I would. I would think he'll be thinking about just making it clear to the team that they can't allow any complacency to creep in, even after what happened last year. I think it's easy to come in in August and think, "Yeah, we're up for it," but sort of six weeks, eight weeks, ten weeks into the season, you just start to think, "Oh." Am I up for this all over again? Um, I think he's got to be just thinking about um, how to get Erling Haaland back in the right place. Uh, and other than that, it's all the bits and pieces around the edges and just making it, as the other guy said, get the guys fit and keep them fit as best as you possibly can. But within... I mean, I, I have to say, I slightly worry about KDB and his hamstring, given his age, that, you know, he's back and then he's out again. That's my concern. Um, so I hope they don't bring him back too early. Uh, yeah. I don't think there's too much you can do about things like that. It's either going to happen or it isn't, but I hope that they give him all, as much time as is, as is possible. Um, but, you know, having Bernardo John Stones back week in, week out, will make a big difference. Um, he's got to get Jack Grealish in the right place because he's re- his his season really hasn't even started. You know, he's been injured. Um, he's been back and he's had one or two pretty horrendous performances. Um, so he's got to get back in the groove. Um, and otherwise, yeah, we hang on in there until the turn of the year and see what happens. I think it will be a, a, a good season. You've got Spurs and other teams taking points off each other so I don't think anyone's going to run away with anything uh, and we'll be there or thereabouts and finally Sarah you help us get inside Pep's head final <laughs> word from you well I suspect his first priority will be a game of golf won't it probably in sunny climes although that could be uh, could be England at the moment who knows <laughs> um I think I'd say two quick things. I mean, you know, Nick's right. There's players who are not showing the form that we would want them to at the moment. Um, But in a way, that's just one of the ongoing tribulations of any manager. I mean, there's always in any season, there'll be periods where some players are not playing particularly well and the manager will have thoughts about that. I think think he'll be quite reflective over the last three games. And I think he certainly will want to give a bit of thought to 
the fact that I don't I can't think of a single team that ever plays without some kind of defensive midfielder. So if Rodri is our always our go-to man, and he largely is, um it, it, we know we've got options. We've mentioned Stones, Bernardo did it on Sunday. We've obviously got Phillips in the squad, although I agree with you, he's clearly not trusted. Um, Kovacic and presumably Nunes at some point might play that role. So he's got options, but I suspect he'll want to think about if Rodri was injured and out for three or four months, what would be the answer to that defensive role that isn't just, even though I used the phrase horses for courses earlier, I think that role is so integral to how we play that he will reflect on what the answer might be if we didn't have Rodri. Well, let's hope they all get back fresh and fit from the international break. Huge thanks to my three guests, to Sarah Messenger, to Nick Goldstone and to Rob Behrens. This is Nigel Rothman saying thanks for listening and we'll talk to you all very soon. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.